You are now listening to the Fantastic Filmcast, your destination for all things film. Tune in each week to hear reviews, roundtables, and our thoughts about the media industry. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Fantastic Filmcast. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Bailey Wilkinson. I'm Katie Wilkins. Hi, I'm Noah Grammett. And I'm Aiden Glendon. And today we're going to be talking about the film Creed II and discussing our thoughts on it, our reviews, and maybe some spoilers here or there. All right. So overall, what I thought about Creed II is that it was a definite solid sequel to the first Creed film. And it was a, had very nice arcs of the characters throughout the entire story. There were very satisfying resolutions to some characters and then new beginnings for others. Um, the fight sequences were very beautiful and they were very engaging to watch. And it definitely, like for those of you that are used to the Rocky movies, it definitely is a hybrid of Rocky Two and Rocky Four. I feel, which is a good thing. It's nice to combine some ideas with the new ones. And I definitely enjoyed watching this film. Also keep in mind, this first part is spoiler-free, so yes. we'll let you know when we're actually getting into it. Uh, <laughs> Try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible there. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I feel like I have like a rare approach to this, because I haven't seen any of the Rocky movies, and I hadn't seen the first Creed before. But it was a very entertaining film, regardless of me not seeing either of any of those movies. And I just thought it was a very entertaining movie and held through through the entire movie. Yeah, so I'm a pretty huge fan of the Rocky franchise, and I've actually been to Philadelphia. I've been running up the steps, and that's a pretty cool experience. But the thing that I really like about Creed is it takes from Rocky, but it reinvents upon it. So it's not, it doesn't really have the same feel to Rocky. It has the same kind of soundtrack, but I like how it's new. And I think that Creed 2 was a pretty solid sequel. You know, going into it, you really know what's going to happen. Even the premise, let's be honest, if you're going to go see Creed 2, you know what's going to happen. But it, it was just a solid sequel. Uh, I love the cinematography. I love the direction. I'm excited for Creed 3 with how well it's doing at the box office. I'm sure that's going to come around. And, yeah, great movie. Yeah, I mean, personally, I thought it was a great sequel. And, like, it was two hours and ten minutes. I feel like it never overstayed its welcome. It very justified length. And, yeah, like Noah said, you know it's going to happen, but it was a really enjoyable ride, and I think that's the most important part. If you're going to go see a movie, like like I know for me, I'm going to go pay to see a movie I'm going to enjoy. I don't care if it has critical acclaim. Like If I'm going to sit there and enjoy it, that's a well-worth-it $13 for me, and this was a well-worth-it $13 for me. All right, now getting into a spoiler warning. So that was our spoiler-free discussion. And for those of you that are just tuning in now, keep in mind this is our spoiler section. So here's where we're going to be going into more depth about certain events in the movie and more crucial plot details that have happened. Um, one thing that definitely stood out for me with this movie was the how the director handled Ivan Drago and Victor Drago, and specifically how they fleshed out the villains, or not necessarily villains, but I know a lot of people will say, oh, the big tough bad guys in this movie are the Drago family, but that's not necessarily the case. When you actually look at their characters and you see what happens to Ivan Drago after Rocky IV, you realize that this character is in a very broken place. His wife left him and his son to starve and fend for themselves living within Ukraine, having the Russians look down on the Drago family, almost humiliating them in a way. So for Drago, this fight isn't necessarily about 
the family bonds or the issues of Rocky knowing Creed. It's about sticking up for himself and giving himself a name and not necessarily following in his father's footsteps. Yeah, I mean, going off of that, uh, I mean, first off, Victor Drago, huge, hulking beast. Let me know his workout routine. <laughs> Absolute unit. <laughs> yeah, great antagonist. I mean, that's how you pump up the stakes in a sequel like that. You know, like, you make it seem like there's no way, like, um, Adonis can possibly beat this guy. And, you know, I, I did feel like they definitely could have given um, Yvonne and Victor Drago more to do. A little bit. I felt like in a lot of the scenes, especially where we were seeing, like, um, when Victor Drago is walking into the ring and Yvonne's right behind him, you can see there's so much, like, tension going on in their faces, in their facial expressions, but we don't get more of that. We get a little glimpse of it, but I wish that there had been more. And I wouldn't have minded if the movie had been a tad bit longer, mm-hmm. if we could have gotten a little bit more of that. I felt like it would have added a little bit more. Yeah, one thing that I was almost shocked that we didn't get to see is it would have been so great to get a scene where Yvonne is talking to Adonis you know, mm. the guy yes. who killed yeah. his father. I honestly can't believe that we didn't get that. Yeah. But how cool would that have been if just before the fight, you know, he's getting amped up in his locker room and all of a sudden Ivan Drago comes in, you know, oh Rocky's God. not even there. Like, oh. Or he's expecting Rocky and then he sees his father's killer. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. I conversation feel more disappointed now. That would have been fantastic. Have been I did amazing. see in one of the beginning moments of the film when uh, Victor challenges Adonis, Drago, uh, not Victor, Ivan Drago gives Adonis a look and he says, oh, you're similar to your father or you have the same build as him. And I said, oh, Mm. that was interesting that he made that remark. But like you were saying, Noah, I just wish I would have seen a little bit more of that relationship and how that would unfold in the further fight in the end. Yeah, especially with that um, meeting between Rocky and Ivan, I would have loved to see Ivan Mm -hmm. and Adonis Oh, in yeah. Their, in their little Italian restaurant, just relax and talk. And it was just so weird to see those two characters talk instead of fighting. I mean, you could see the look in Yvonne's face towards Rocky, how it was a look of disgust and him saying, oh, you brought me down and I can't forgive you for that, but I'm just here to tell you that, watch out, we're coming back to try and take the heavyweight uh, title, the heavyweight champion title for ourselves. Yeah, and it's crazy how they waited until after he became, like, the heavyweight champion. And they're like, yes. all right, now that he's gotten the glory, we got to take it away from him. <laughs> it was also very surreal to see Ivan and Victor Drago standing where Rocky stood, overlooking the entire city of Philadelphia. And I thought that was a very beautiful shot within the film, to see them standing where, like, standing where the person who beat them was and what he was able to do to overcome them and not to mention like when they first like go to philadelphia they're watching all these families taking pictures in front of the rocky statue and people running by it too that was fantastic i also love the opening shot how it started with yvonne and uh his son instead of like focusing on adonis or rocky i thought that was a really cool uh part of the movie you know and I think it's so cool because you start with the bad guy, and he's so jacked. He's so big. I have no idea how, like, Adonis can beat him, especially at the weigh-in. Oh, my God, he's, like, a foot taller than him. God, <laughs> yeah. Well, both of their workout routines were very insane. I was reading up 
on some of the training that Michael B. Jordan did for the film. I forget the actor's name who played Victor Drago, but I believe that this was his first film. So kudos to him for pulling it off, making me want to hate him, but knowing that what his character was going through was a lot of suffering and a lot of pain. But Michael B. Jordan said he was drinking, I think, almost five to six liters of water a day, and he was doing all these other uh, crazy diet routines, a lot of chicken breasts and broccoli, hardcore stuff. But good for him. He looks good and yeah, definitely it showed. That doesn't surprise me. Michael B. Jordan was absolutely jacked. Oh, my God. And the thing is, he was still small compared to, to yeah. Victor. So, but like, Michael B. Jordan, like, wow, he's on a career roll right now mm-hmm. with uh, his turn in Black Panther and the Creed franchise. I mean, he's he's going places. His name's already big. It's just going to get bigger from here. And it was also nice to see at the beginning of the film for Adonis's character to see him talking to Rocky about proposing to Bianca. That was a great scene. how he was thinking about what to say, but he was so nervous he didn't know how to phrase it. And then when the moment came, like Rocky said, it's all in your heart. And then he told her how he really felt. And it was just a nice little moment before Victor Drago was introduced. Not to mention, like, the first time he proposed, she didn't even hear it. But yes. then you get like the more real approach of like the like their relationship once she actually hears it because then she like already knows it's happening. Mm-hmm. So I also forgot that she had that hearing problem from the first movie. So I thought like some horrible accident must have occurred in between the first two movies that I just completely you know we were about to hear about. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> but I thought or what I think with uh, Bianca's character. Te- also, Tessa Thompson does a brilliant oh performance She's in this film. Also, the well. music, she was also singing a lot within this film, which, again, her voice is incredible. I think that her character is challenging the stereotype in these, quote, boxer films where she just becomes the wife of the boxer and she's always there cheering for him and supporting him. And she does do that in this movie, but outside of the ring is where their real issues lie. And you see how she's coping with the fact that um, their child, their daughter, they don't know whether or not her daughter is going to be deaf or not, and how her music career, how she's trying to launch that off, settle down with Adonis and try and leave the boxing ring behind her. But their relationship to Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson, it was very organic, very realistic, and when they had arguments or those moments of tension within the movie, when we saw it in theaters, just the entire audience was quiet. Even though there weren't a lot of us, we were all just waiting patiently together to see what would happen next. Yeah, and those scenes really did bring a lot of tension because it shows, you know, it's not just like, oh, we're boxing and the fighter is glorious. Like, Adonis' father died doing this, and here he is doing it too, and now he's going to be a father, and it's these great moments of tension because it's like she wants to support him, but at the same time, she doesn't want him to die. She doesn't want her child to be fatherless just like he was. It was very interesting. Very, I like how, like, the history came back in a way, to sort of repeat itself and bring a little more to it. And it's like you were saying before, Aiden, there was that, it's a perfect balance. It was never too much of one thing where, oh, I'm getting tired of seeing them box, I want to see more real-life events happen, or, oh, there was too much drama going on within their lives, I want to see more boxing. There was also the editing within this film, again, which helped to add to that balance. It cut perfectly in between fight sequences or training sequences to something happening to one of the characters within their lives, which... I thought was very well done. Was the kid that they had a boy or a girl? Do you remember? A girl, Amara, was her name. How cool would that be if in like 20 years 
it's like not Creed, but it's Amara. Oh, and you're that just seeing would that. Be really and cool. you see her character grow and develop, and then maybe she could take on boxing or she could do something else. And Michael B. Jordan comes in as like the pseudo Rocky, you know, oh filling the role, training his own daughter. That'd be amazing. <laughs> and speaking of Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone again delivers yet another incredible performance. I have seen some clips from the first Creed. But when my father first told me, oh, in this film, uh, Rocky comes back to help Apollo Creed's son, at first I said, oh, wow, that's a really interesting concept. But when I watched Sylvester Stallone perform as Rocky Balboa again, knowing that his character now has um, lymphoma and he's dealing with the loss of Adrian and not seeing his son or personally not choosing to talk to him, it broke my heart a little bit to see that this character who is so strong-willed and has always been able to put up a fight has finally thrown in the towel and he really hasn't tried to change his life in any way until Adonis Creed is introduced in the first film and then also in this one when he helps to train him again. And then the moment when he talks to Adonis about fighting Ivan Drago and how that ended up and how he's saying, I don't want to support you because he doesn't want to bear to lose another loved one in his life. And it was just, it was very sad to see, but then once... Rocky realizes that he can do this, he can overcome these challenges that face him. It was just beautiful to see. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, I actually read an article after I saw this movie, and it talked about how Sylvester Stallone said his time as Rocky is done. So basically saying he's not going to reprise this role in any future Creed or Rocky movies. But he also said the same thing for Rambo, and Rambo 5 is coming out. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's actually going to stick with it. If they give him a big enough paycheck, I can see him definitely coming back. But I wonder if Sylvester Stallone isn't back for Creed 3, would it have the same commercial appeal? Is Michael B. Jordan a big enough uh, draw for the oh, box office audience? Absolutely. I think it would definitely still have the appeal, just that people would say, oh, where's Rocky? Or then he might be training with someone else. With um, I forget the character's name, but Apollo Creed's trainer, his son, was in the movie when Adonis said, that's it. I don't want to talk with you anymore, Rocky. I want to take this fight on my own. I'll work with my father's trainer's son. And I know that sounds a little bit confusing, but I think it would, it would definitely still have an audience there. I will say, I think they went to Rocky a lot in terms of uh, switching around in ter- like in uh, some B-plots. I mean, the whole plot with Rocky trying to connect with his son but not being able to. I mean, those scenes were full of really good dramatic tension that wasn't from fighting. It was just from, he's going to call his son. And I thought that was amazing. And, you know, the, the plot line is wrapped up quite nicely. Um, I don't know if I could see Rocky needing to come back but they did seem to rely on Sylvester Stallone and his character a little bit in this movie and I'm sure that helps with the draw I mean seeing his name on it he wants to be part of something that has good quality you know um I don't know I feel like if the script was good enough he might come back or maybe Sylvester Stallone will come back in some type of like writing role or producing role and maybe just not as Rocky because in one of the final shots of the film, it's Rocky reuniting with Robert, his son, that we've known since the Rocky movies. And to see that happen where he meets his grandson for the first time and rekindles that connection with his family, I think it's a very, like I was saying earlier, it's a satisfying ending to his character where if they didn't make another one of these movies, 
I would say, all right, Rocky is at peace with what he has dealt with, and he is living his life from then on. Where do you think the future of the franchise is going to go, though? I, I really don't know how they can keep continuing the story. Like, what is Michael B. Jordan going to face after this? I mean, if it was, I mean, I, most likely it will be continued. I think if they are going to retread from certain Rocky plots, then I would assume he would fight someone else that's somehow related to Rocky Balboa. Which I wouldn't mind seeing. Again, it's always good to inspire a new generation and get them hooked on something that older generations have loved before. I grew up watching the Rocky movies, so once I found out that this movie was coming out, as well as having watched a little bit of the first Creed, I'm still enthralled by these films and how how inspiring they can be. They still inspire me to this day. But, yeah, I definitely, no matter what they do with the next one, I trust that they'll do something new while still appealing to those other built-in audiences. How do you think they could do that, though? Because, like, how are they not going to make it, like, Creed 2 and be like, oh, this person has some, like, trivial relationship towards, like, Apollo Creed or Rocky? It could follow Adonis himself in his older years unless we time jumped somehow into the future or in that case like we were discussing earlier it could be Amara Adonis and Bianca's daughter potentially getting into the boxing ring or she could even take up something along the lines of mixed martial arts and we could see a different twist within the Rocky formula instead of just boxing and see Amara's career rise with her father training her maybe Sylvester Stallone would come back as Rocky and somewhat be a surrogate grandfather to her, which would be a really interesting relationship to see, if that were to happen. That would be so badass. <laughs> I would love to see that. Just like an ultimate fighting Amara. Oh my gosh. That but would be really cool. Going back, though, to around the middle part of the film, when Rocky walks away and he doesn't want to train Adonis, and then Adonis fights Victor for the first time, that fight was absolutely brutal to watch because Adonis thought that he had it in the bag and he knew what he was doing but without Rocky's guidance he was a bit shaky and that's what ultimately led him to lose the first fight to Victor and not to mention when Rocky comes and visits him like in the hospital after the fight like how their relationship is just so broken too like Mm -hmm. it's crazy Yeah, what do you think about the fact that he lost? I I almost felt like because he lost in the first fight, he had to win in the second one, which made the second fight a little bit... I mean, I don't want to say less anticlimactic, but I felt like I knew it was going to happen. What do you think about that? I agree. I felt like I knew he had to win the second fight, but at the same time, it it was more seeing how he wins the second fight because it was amazing to watch. He was so quick, and seeing the expression on... Um, Victor Drago's face when he's like, I don't know if I'm going to win this. And then when Creed finally starts to get some good hits in, I mean, I mean, we know he's going to win, but who doesn't love an, underdogs, an underdog story? And he really makes it an underdog story. Like, he loses so badly the first time. It's like, wow, like, he's really out of his, he's really out of his depth here. And especially seeing the training sequences, both of them side by side, even when Adonis is at his lowest, going back to what you were saying, Katie, when Rocky walks into that hospital room and sees him just absolutely devastated with grief and whether or not he can come back even into the boxing ring because of so many sustained injuries. He suffered a ruptured kidney, 
a broken rib and multiple fractures, I believe, throughout his abdominal area. And seeing the training sequence where Rocky takes him to this, uh, I think he calls it boxer's hell or at some point within the movie. And he just is brutally just beating him through this pain because Rocky tells him in order to fight someone of Victor Drago's stature, you need to be able to withstand so much internal pain and mental exhaustion to the point where at one point during the training sequence when um, Adonis is uh, running behind or running in front of Rocky's car, he just breaks, he just falls down. And then Rocky says, come on, get up, kid, get up, kid. And then you hear a little subtle hint of the original Rocky theme. And it's like you were saying before earlier, Noah, how we, like, we yes, we've like, if you've seen the older Rocky movies, you expect that training sequence where the main character gets up and he's ready to go and take on the fight. But no matter what, it's still such a great feeling to know that this character can come back. He's willing to go the distance and he's willing to fight for his family and what matters to him and what keeps him going. It is so epic hearing like those first three notes of the Rocky score. I mean, when you hear those trumpets play, you know what's about to happen. You know that Adonis is going to come in and absolutely knock out Drago. And <laughs> it's just an epic feeling. And I was looking around the theater that I was in, and everybody, their eyes were just glued on the screen. I mean, even you guys, I could see you guys getting hyped up. <laughs> my mouth my mouth was so wide open, and I was ready to scream, but I didn't want to distract anyone in the theater. But, oh, it's just such a great feeling. Oh, yeah, and those, like, Sherlock Holmes-style slow-motion shots where he just get that right punch in, and you know that he's going down. or just It was a devastating hit. It, the cinematography in the fight scenes I thought was incredible. And, and I, I love how they actually showed some of the shots instead of having like a Jason Bourne style like jump cuts every single time there's about to be impact I mean in the Drago fights especially back in Russia uh, when he wasn't fighting Adonis wow you know they would just linger on it looked like they were absolutely ugh, absolutely getting manhandled and that was cool and what's amazing is that even though we've watched this and we see Adonis coming back Ivan Drago he's Still, also Victor, they're still being mistreated by the Russian officials, especially in the dinner scene when they're all having a good time, it seems like. But then Ivan Drago's ex-wife is brought back and she's introduced briefly in this film as a little cameo. And you just see Victor's face instantly changes from joy or a little bit of not disappointment, but just he's not satisfied with the dinner. But then once he sees his mother, and again, he hasn't even met her, and then after that happens, he just runs out of the room, and then uh, Ivan or Ivan has to calm him down. And just to see Ivan saying, look, we have to deal with this. Swallow your pride. I know it's tough. I had to do it. And again, to flesh out the villains even more. I I know I say the villains, but even though like I know people might associate them again these big tough bad guys, but every person in their in their mind believes that they're doing the right thing or what they feel is best. So when Yvonne tells his son to just deal with it and grow to accept these conditions the way they are, it's just you feel bad for Drago and you want him almost in a way too to try and gain something from the events going on in this film. 
I mean, I feel like he does, though, because at the end, like, his father's, like, comforting him, even though he lost, and, like, they're definitely going to get ridiculed back in Russia mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, but just how, like, the progression of their relationship and how it goes from how he's literally, like, beating him, telling me he's, like, not enough at the beginning of the film to the end where he's comforting him after he sees his own mother leave the fight, like, I don't know, I just thought that was crazy. it's all going to be okay, and, and then also the final shot of them is both of them running in Ukraine. And then Yvonne goes ahead of Victor, and then Victor kind of gives him a little smirk, or he just gives him a look knowing, all right, just got to keep going, just try and make this work. It was, again, a nice resolution to their character arcs. I, I kind of disagree, to be completely honest. I feel like there was more that had to be said about the character of uh, Ivan Drago, Drago's son specifically. You know, I, I know that his relationship with his father is being healed and all this stuff, but it felt kind of like a cop-out where all of a sudden in one round his dad is like, oh my God, all these decades of training that I spent on my son, it's it was all for nothing, it's okay. But it, I really just wish that, I wish that we got to spend a bit more time with the characters after the fight. Well, I know what you're saying, but when, when, um, when um, Yvonne's ex-wife leaves, it doesn't matter anymore. It, regardless of whether Victor wins or loses, he, he's already lost because they've already walked out. So there's no purpose. And he doesn't want to put his son up against the possibility that Creed might do the same thing to Victor what Yvonne did to Apollo. I feel like Yvonne's son just lost, lost so completely, though. You know, even after the fight, he's, like, punching himself in the face. It, what's the resolution for that character? He's lost the fight, you know, his dad's trying to comfort him, but there's no redeem, there's no redemption for that character. I I would have to disagree. I do feel that, yes, I also personally believe that there could have been a little bit more added to the Drago family in terms of their arc, but that being said, again, in two hours and ten minutes, it's very tough to focus all of your attention on just two of these characters while there are so many others that exist within the film. But that being said, if they do continue with this storyline or if they want to bring back the Dragos in any way, I do feel that there is still a lot more to be explored. But in this film, I feel that I was definitely satisfied with what I was able to learn more about Ivan Drago and introduced to Victor and just see how he fights, how he behaves, what his character is like. And I definitely, I would definitely like to see him again. Maybe not in Creed 3, per se, but if there was something else that were to happen with this character where he and Adonis somehow talk, and then maybe Adonis and Yvonne talk and see that relationship further explored, I think that would be a pretty cool concept to see. I agree with that. Maybe Victor has a daughter who fights Amara Creed 20 years down the line. (laughs) Hey, you never know. It could be a possibility. That would be fantastic. And then speaking of... The fights, the fight sequences themselves, I thought that they were very seamlessly choreographed. They <clears throat> they looked very realistic, and every punch was felt. So whenever Victor punched Adonis, I just I reacted and I winced a little bit. And then when Adonis was punching Victor, the, my adrenaline was pumping so much I was ready to get up and scream for Adonis in the theater. And it was just a very invigorating experience. Totally. Uh, yeah. So, would we want to transition our discussion into sequels, maybe? Yeah, I think we can yeah, take I think a we could quick break and take... then uh, move on to talking about sequels in general. 
and just see yeah, see their impact within Hollywood and uh, what the audiences feel about it. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, stay tuned, and we'll be back to talk about sequels in a second. Thanks. Welcome back to the Fantastic Film Podcast. Thanks again for joining us and sticking with us. Right now, we are going to be talking about sequels within Hollywood and just give you our thoughts on them. So the first sequel that I'm looking forward to is the next Avengers movie after Infinity War. We don't know the title for it right now, but a lot of people are guessing that it is either Annihilation or Endgame somehow through some of the teasers that the Russo brothers, the directors of the film, have posted about it. Personally, I think Avengers Infinity War is one of the best Marvel films to ever be made, so I am most certainly excited to see how that storyline is going to resolve itself. I will say, I think the biggest problem with that movie and with the sequel is what Marvel has done outside of the movie itself. Um, And if you are crazy and still haven't seen Avengers Infinity War, major spoiler alert, um, when at the end of the movie all these characters die, you know, like we see Spider-Man and Black Panther, they, they fade to ash. I wish Marvel... I wish Marvel didn't have to function like Hollywood. I wish they did, hadn't announced um, Spider-Man 2 Far From Home, also coming out next year, which Another is going to be great. I wish they hadn't announced Black Panther 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because that moment at the end when you're like, holy, like, the heroes didn't win. Like, that initial shock, and you're like, oh, but they're going to come back in the sequel. But if there was no announcement of sequel, and Marvel's just like, even then, Nothing. Aiden, I knew that some of these characters, when they killed them off, I put in quotes, that these characters weren't really dead. It's like you were saying how when Marvel announced, oh, Spider-Man Far From Home, the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming is coming out, you know that Tom Holland is still going to be Spider-Man. When Black Panther 2 was announced, you know that Chadwick Bosman is still going to be playing T'Challa. So the levity in that situation is is somewhat lost after you watch the film maybe for a second or third time. But knowing that watching it for the first time, knowing that these characters were dead, it was definitely a shock to my system. The cool thing about sequels uh, in Hollywood is that it almost universally gets more money than the original movie. And in the case of Avengers Infinity War, they filmed part one and part two at the same time. So part two is already done. It's in post-production. It might even be finished right now. But they made back all of their money already just on part one. So what that means is uh, Avengers Infinity War Part 2, every single ticket sale and every single merchandise sale that they get after that, it's just straight profit. I can't imagine how much money Disney is about to make off this. Disney's going to be rolling in. I mean, sequels are the bread and butter of Hollywood, you know? As long as you can keep making them good or at least sell tickets, especially in foreign markets, I mean, it's crazy. You know, like... Transformers, for instance, they don't sell well anymore in the U.S., um, but overseas, they're still killing it. They're still going to keep making more. But there are some instances where I believe that sequels are not necessary for certain films. Take, for example, Toy Story 3. I love Toy Story 3. I think it is a good film, but I did believe that Toy Story 2 was was a good sequel. It was a nice story that was being told. But when I found out that Toy Story 4 was being announced, I didn't really react in the way that I thought I would. I just 
kind of shrugged it off because I thought that the story was done with Toy Story 3, where, again, spoilers, if you haven't seen (laughs) Toy Story 3, if you haven't, then definitely go watch it. But the characters of Woody and Buzz Lightyear and Slinky, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, Andy leaves them with this girl that he meets uh, at this daycare, and she's taking care of his toys. And I remember watching that saying, wow, these characters that I've grown up with since I was a little kid, I remember having the Woody hat and Woody toys and Buzz Lightyear action figures when my sister had Jesse and Bo Peep and that we all play with them together, me and my cousins. So seeing the end of Toy Story 3, I said, oh my God, I said, what a beautiful, terrific ending to this saga. So when I saw that Toy Story 4 was coming out, I said, where can you go from here? There were just some cases where a sequel does... The story does the initial and overall story of the of characters and these events so well that there's just no real need for anything else. So yes, I'll go see Toy Story four, but I I don't know what to feel about it. I have faith for Toy Story. I have faith for Toy Story four, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but basically everybody was saying the same thing when Toy Story three was coming out. Toy Story 2, yes. it didn't wrap it up the same way that Toy Story 3 did, but it I don't know. Pixar has such a great track record. I don't think they make movies just to make money. You know, if we take Avengers, or rather Incredibles 2, for example, it was a pretty oh. good story. It added to the franchise. I'm yes. certain they're going to make uh, Incredibles 3, and also it made a boatload of money. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have faith. I have faith. But another sequel that I'm all, a sequel that I'm looking forward to a lot is It Chapter 2. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for that one. That's because be the first It movie, when it came out in tw- last year, came out last year, 2017, Yeah, I I hadn't read the novel. I've only seen little clips from the first movie or the TV series that came out in 1989, I believe. I think you're right. Um, and I remember watching the movie with one of my friends, and I was just in such awe of how incredible everything was about the film and what they were able to reinvent from the old story. So when I found out that It Chapter 2 was... And they also teased that at the end credits of the It movie. Yeah. I was very excited because I knew that the Stephen King novel itself is so long and there's so much lore and richness to that world that I was so excited. I literally screamed for joy in the theater. I said, I can't wait to see what's going on with the film. And there, there have been some leaked set photos that have surfaced online, as well as uh, casting of the older uh, crew of the kids. And I'm really excited to see what they do with the second chapter of the story and how they reinvent that wheel a little bit. Yeah, I'm very excited. I usually like hate horror movies, but for some reason, it I just really liked it. And then also, so many people are talking about how like Pennywise isn't dead. And how, like, he just kind of, like, fell to his death. There was mm-hmm. no scene of him actually, like, being gone forever. So I'm excited to see what they do with that, especially with the older cast. If you've read the original book, the way that it works out is they have the kids in the novel, and then it switches to them in the future when they're adults. And that's what they're doing with It Chapter 2. So the really exciting part about that is is that the cast is completely different from the first movie. So I bet the tone is probably going to be different. I doubt that the horror is going to be that much worse because, like Katie said, it's a horror movie, but it's a really accessible horror movie. Clowns are just kind of a generic scare, but it's 
it's something that's very universal. You know, it, a lot of people have opinions about ghosts, but everybody has opinions about clowns, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it's just such a perfect horror movie. And adding on to what you were saying, Noah, also with it, it's it's a also it's also a coming of age story. It's not necessarily just a horror film. These children are going through like their high school years and middle school years together and they're trying to face again the stand up against the bullies together they're exploring the the moments of their childhood during the summertime they're going to the movies and it's just an overall it's a really nice movie it's it made me feel good it made me cry it made me laugh it made me get scared yeah speaking of uh like it chapter two um, I mean, it was so exciting they were announcing like all the cast like uh, earlier this year. I mean, Bill Hader, Jessica Chastain, um, the old James Spice McAvoy. guy. Yeah, I mean, it's a stacked cast. I mean, it's gonna be great. All these big name actors. I think one of the main problems with horror movies is they go so low budget, you know, and you've never heard of actors. And while it could be a great place for an actor to get their start, I think having a horror movie with all these named actors is just gonna be a huge draw. That's gonna be a no pun intended, a monster hit. Um, and also, It Chapter 2 is not the only horror movie sequel coming out next year. Um, Happy Death Day to You is coming out. I'm a little apprehensive about that one. Haven't seen that movie. Haven't seen it either. I saw the first one, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I just recently saw the trailer for the second one, and it's. I really liked the characters in the first one, but I'm a little apprehensive about it because it seems to be sticking to the story from the first one but tweaking it just a bit and it could be really good but it also maybe could lose itself a little bit in trying to justify the plot and making a sequel so I guess we'll see how that one goes but I'm excited for it and another movie that I hope that they're making a sequel to or I believe it is in the works or talks uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, that was I, so good. I Fantastic. at first, when I heard that they were rebooting Jumanji, I said, oh, I said, you can't do it without Robin Williams. Robin Williams made that movie, in my opinion, what it is. And I, again, grew up with that movie and I love watching it. So when I found out that The Rock and Kevin Hart, Jack Black and Karen Gillan, Nick Jonas were all going to be a part of this reboot, I said, well, how can you change Jumanji and the director did it in a way where instead of it being a board game, it transformed into a video game. And I thought that was just a great concept, how to change it to make it fit more into a modern world. And I really enjoyed myself when watching Jumanji. I thought it was very interesting to see these characters play out, especially um, The Rock and Jack Black's characters. I really love those characters a lot. Um, and ju- I'm excited to see the sequel come out if it is in the works. Not to switch gears so fast, but Star Wars, the last movie oh, of that yes. trilogy. Oh the last the chapter last in the Skywalker saga. Just a quick note. Disney is going to make so much money next oh year. Oh, my God. Uh, they have Toy Story 4. Avengers. They have Lion King. They have Dumbo. They have The Avengers, Star Wars Episode Nine, Frozen 2, oh The God. Secret Life of Pets 2. Do they have the Angry Birds movie? Yeah. That's Disney? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. Well, I, I mean, They're going to be that, rolling in money next year. There's going to be so many box office and records. And don't forget, don't forget this year with Wreck-It Ralph 2, Disney was able to make a lot of money from that yeah. film. And it's still making a lot of money. Yeah. True. And from what I've heard, people have said it has really built off of the original Wreck-It Ralph movie. Again, by taking these characters from a simple arcade game 
into the internet as we know it today, which is a really interesting concept as well. And also, I know that Hollywood also tends to not only do sequels for films, but they also tend to reboot franchises or try and somewhat make a sequel out of this new reboot, if that makes any sense. In this particular case, a film that I would be talking about in this scenario would be Bumblebee with the Transformers movies. And I know there were some mixed I'm very reviews excited. I'm very about excited. the original Michael Bay Transformers movies. Personally, when I was a little kid, I didn't really mind at all because, again, you go into those movies and you think, what do I want to see? Personally, you want to see some explosions. You want to see these robots fighting. And the story, I mean, yes, people have grown to want a more rich and detailed story. But when I watched the trailer for Bumblebee, like your reaction, Aiden, I was excited because it's a new director. There's new life being breathed into this project. And I'm really curious to know what they're going to do, especially that they're paying homage uh, similar to creed 2 there was a lot of moments within that film where the director uh paid tribute to certain moments that happened within the rocky franchise i'm curious uh, say for example with adonis visiting his father's grave with amara and bianca and he's talking to his father about his life and how it is now and similar with rocky talking to his son at the end of the movie but point being i just i'm excited to see what bumblebee does when it finally hits theaters this december Mm-hmm. Also with Mary Poppins Returns as well. Yeah, I know a lot of people man. have been talking about that. What do we think about Mary Poppins Returns? I don't think you can go wrong with Lin-Manuel Miranda and Emily Blunt in that movie. And I think it's just going to be a fantastic film, especially because it's coming out really like, right near Christmas. Perfect perfect marketing. Like Everybody's going to go see it with their families right before the holidays. I, I think it's going to be a good film. With a built-in audience. Shout out Jack Powers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think that that weekend you know mary poppins is getting that two-day boost on like aquaman and bumblebee and uh there's something else coming out that day and I, it's a very crowded market and frankly mary poppins returns is not on my list uh to see i have no problem seeing it when it comes out on dvd but for me it's about seeing bumblebee and seeing aquaman because i know i'm gonna enjoy those movies very much I think that Mary Poppins has such a great audience to draw from, though, because there's going to be kids who see the trailer, and mm. they're going to want to see it on YouTube, and then all the parents that see it are going to want to take their kids. So that's just a double marker right there. And, I mean, she's such an iconic character. It's kind of like, I don't know, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> yes. Everybody knows those. Like, who doesn't know about Mary Poppins, right? I think it's going to be a smash hit. Or it's similar also to, uh, again, The Lion King recently released a teaser trailer and how people are very excited about that film as well as am I. I'm just curious to see how they, what new things they'll add to this story instead of it just being, oh, here's another another sequel or reboot of, or reinvention of this film that we've already seen before. Uh, Same with Dumbo. I know Dumbo also released their teaser trailer recently as well. Personally, I haven't seen, not the movie that's coming out now, but I haven't seen the original Dumbo, but having watched that trailer, I know from reactions that I've seen, people are saying that they're adding new things to Dumbo that I that they haven't seen before. Yeah, I'm not sure how Disney's going to continue on the trend of like the live-action movies, because we all know it's not live-action, it is animated, but I don't know if they're going to go through like all of the other movies with that 
because they are continuing to still make the princess movies like Frozen 2 is coming out next year and all of that stuff. So I don't really know what direction Disney's going to head in terms of like getting new storylines, just continuing to remake the old ones. I'm really not sure. Also, we can't forget about Aladdin. That's also oh coming out. Oh my gosh, yes. They're going to make so much money. They're going to make so much money. <laughs> I, I think they're going to keep adapting mm-hmm. their animation into live action. I mean, it's a formula that has proven true. Beauty and the Beast, smash hit. They're going to keep going. They're going to go through their whole library. And that's going to get them to 2030, maybe. Probably later than that. And then they can just reboot them all again and just keep on doing it. Disney doesn't have to reinvent the wheel. They have the most successful wheel out there. They're just going to keep going. That wheel's turning. It's never stopping. The only the only thing that I'm worried about for, I believe, Katie, you were saying it earlier, about Star Wars Episode Nine, when talking about sequels within Hollywood, with the film The Last Jedi, when it came out, I remember watching the trailers for it, and I was very excited to see the movie. But then once I saw the movie and I was reading reviews and watching my friends' reactions to the film as well as my family's, it, it, in that case, I believe The Last Jedi, in my opinion at least, is an example. It's a, it is a sequel to The Force Awakens and what foundations The Force Awakens laid as well as J.J. Abrams. But my main issue with the film is you should have kept it the same director or a director that at least talked with the prior director. Because if you're doing a sequel and you want to do it in a way that's concise and coherent to what has been done before, you should keep it the same within the creative team. Personally, I think one of the weakest parts of the film was the direction and writing by Ryan Johnson. I think by giving him so much creative freedom to change the foundations of what story was being made, the sequel felt like it was just going nowhere, in my opinion. It felt like he was just writing based on thoughts that came into his head that sounded interesting or different ideas for the characters. I understood what he was trying to go for, specifically with Luke Skywalker. I understand that he tried to change his character in a way that was fresh and would engage audiences. I thought it was one of Mark Hamill's best performances as the character. Personally, though, I think that the sequel was very weak to me. I also heard that the last like movie of the trilogy was supposed to revolve around Princess Leia, and obviously Carrie Fisher died like right after Last Jedi came out. So I don't really know what they're going to do with that and the whole issue, because I know that her family was like, we don't want her to be CGI. Like, like that would just be like disrespect- disrespectful to her. But I don't know what direction they're going to take it in, because they kind of left it in a very odd place because you have the whole thing how luke like died and how like kylo ren will he be redeemed like what's the whole issue with ray and him i don't really know what, what they're gonna do with it did the family actually say that it would be disrespectful for the cgi or cg well they actually did shoot some footage of carrie fisher for episode nine it's just that they're going to use it and then whatever happens afterwards will happen we don't know how they'll proceed from there yeah if I don't know if you guys remember, but in episode eight, there was a moment where it was a perfect opportunity to be a send-off for Princess Leia, Mm -hmm. but she came back, and I don't know. That scene was pretty weird, but I I digress. Yeah, this is a Star Wars podcast this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Or or this section, at least, I'm talking about the sequels. I am really interested to see what J.J. Abrams does for episode nine since he's coming back. I liked episode seven better than episode eight, and... 
Solo was a bit of a flop at the box office. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that. It was just awkward timing. But I think it it's an interesting timing. Point. If they had waited till December this month, I think it would have done better. I would have went to see it. For Solo, you mean? Yeah. If, oh, if, absolutely. If instead of May, it came out in December. And then Episode Nine was supposed to come out this December, but then they pushed it back to the summer yeah. blockbuster. Well, no, they pushed it to next December. Oh, next December. I thought yes. it was in this. Oh, my mistake then. So I think that's about a perfect time for it to come out. Me too. Mm-hmm. Great family film. Yep. It's, it's going to be right at the time, too, where I'm prepared for another Star Wars movie. Yeah, I'm it will have been a year it. and a half almost since the last one solo, so I think it will be the perfect time. The marketing push is going to have to be insane. Yeah. It, it, we're going to see it everywhere. Because I just thought after The Last Jedi, there was a lot of mixed receptions from the community within Star Wars as well as audience members who had seen the film, and I just feel that if a sequel doesn't like, do justice to the original work or if it doesn't meet the expectations of certain people, rather, that when people hear about another film being announced, that it's just there's a lot of animosity and hostility. And I think once that settles down, which I believe it is slowly dying out, then I think people will genuinely be excited when Episode Nine r- releases its trailer. They start doing their promoting for the film. I also feel like it's hard to, like, go above The Force Awakens because it was, like, the comeback movie after so long. So, so many people, like, welcome the new characters and you're introduced to, like, all of, like, the new characters that will continue, like, the legacy and stuff. And I don't know. I feel like Last Jedi people are, like, used to the characters. There wasn't any new characters, really, that were introduced into Last Jedi. It's the continuation of the other one, other storyline. So, I feel like, yeah, it's very difficult to overcome The Force Awakens. All right. So... Back to the topic of sequels, I think <laughs> maybe it's a good opportunity to wrap it Star up. Wars We've talked about a lot. We, we haven't gotten a, a few. I mean, John Wick 3 is going to be... Cannot I wait can't wait. To see that. Those movies have been exceptional. Great fight choreography. I'm very excited. Totally. But on the topic of sequels, going back to Creed 2, if you haven't seen the film already, definitely watch Creed 2, as well as the first Creed. They are really exceptional films. They're very powerful, very moving. And on that note... Thank you all for listening and tuning in. How about how about a final thought? Or a final thought, rather? Yes. Okay, so we talked about a lot of sequels. We didn't get some. What's everybody's most anticipated sequel for 2019? Ooh. Oh, you totally said it just then. John Wick 3. I cannot wait to see that movie. I would probably say the second Avengers movie. Very excited for that. Mm. I feel like I'm pretty excited for it, too, and also the uh, next Lego movie. I feel like that will also mm. be yes, a that's good film. One. Yeah, I'm really excited for John Wick 3, but I think above all, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. <laughs> I, the first one is amazing, makes me like cry every time I watch it. The second one, oh my god, like it, it just steps up even more. And the third one, it's going to close out the trilogy, and it's going to be amazing. It looks beautiful. The music sounds great. I love all the voice actors. I'm very excited for it. All right. All right. Thank you now. Thank you now for uh, listening in and tuning in to the fantastic film podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs>